Hello, it's Wednesday the 18th of October. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I'm about to have a paddle in Captain Tom's Spa. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we take a detailed look at the UK press from behind a bin through a long lens. Which papers are flaunting their smooth scoops? Which ones are revealing their cheeky analysis? And which are daring to bear their toned and sexy columns? We've got it all. We're very much enjoying being out five days a week, so why not subscribe and tell all your funny, newsy friends about us? And if you feel like it, you can leave us a jolly comment in the review section. To be honest, we'll probably read it out. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Or you'll see you in court... Greta Thunberg is arrested outside a London conference for politicians and fuel executives. GJCE, no, 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 no. <laughs> the head of Goldman Sachs has been forced to give up his side job as a DJ. And who does it better? Do Guardian readers or Tory supporters get the best sex? Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we're braced for a storm but ready to bear all. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me on the show today is writer of columns for CNN and owner of an enormous dog called Harvey, Holly Thomas. Hello. Hello. Also with us is comedian and owner of an impressive Stilton truckle, Marcus Brigstock. Hello, Marcus. Hello. So what have we got on the front pages today, Holly? Okay, so um, as you would expect, the Daily Telegraph is leading with Biden's visit to Israel as hundreds die in Gaza hospital. So obviously that's a reference to the strike or blast or something that blew up a hospital in Gaza yesterday, about 500 Palestinians dead, and mm. no one is entirely sure who is responsible. Yeah, numbers are going up as yeah. well, obviously, with the with the dead. Yeah, And then in the mail, again, hospital horror, who's to blame? And it says, amid scenes of devastation, Gaza officials claim Israeli airstrike on hospital killed at least 500. But Israel insists blast was caused by misfired rocket from jihadi militants. So a lot of finger pointing again. Yeah. And a lot of people dead. Yeah. And also the Times is leading with the same thing. It says outrage at hospital attack. Again, just highlighting the fact that hundreds of people are dead. Israel is denying responsibility. So is Hamas. And yeah, it's just incredibly tragic. We don't know who's responsible, but hundreds of people are dead. Yeah. OK, Marcus, what do you have? Yeah, more of the, the same tragedy uh, across these headlines too. Um, in the eye, hundreds killed sheltering at hospital as Israel denies airstrike. Um, also on the front of the eye, on a, a different note, pensions triple lock rethink. The Chancellor, I assume, is thinking of adding a fourth lock to the <laughs> pensions, whatever that means. <laughs> Um, the Guardian also hundreds feared dead in Gaza hospital strike. Um, I, I mean, obviously, these are absolutely heartbreaking. Um, on a brighter note or a madder note, as always, uh, the Daily Star, proud to love animals. Always. That's their, that's that's their a strap thing. line, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Britain on red alert over wonky walking tearaways. Invasion <laughs> of the hairy clawed nippers. It's a big story. This is a huge story. Uh, Chinese crabs carrying up to one million eggs, blamed for scaring our cheery native crustaceans and eating them out of house and home. I think we're going to be returning to this story later, Marcus, because it is so serious. It's a massive story and... Um, apparently Rwanda are ready to take up to 80 hairy-clawed crabs <laughs> as soon as we can fly them out there. 
that's what Braverman's saying. She's. I saw her waist deep in the sea, talking directly to a hairy clawed crab. Although it could have been Peter Bone. <laughs> Now, on the front page of The Telegraph and inside most of the papers is a story about Greta Thunberg, the climate activist. She's been in London protesting alongside hundreds of others outside a five-star hotel against, quote, the Oscars of oil. Holly, what are the Oscars of oil? So I'd say it's a misleading nom de plume. Um, it doesn't sound that much fun. It's the Energy Intelligence Forum, which is a group of fossil fuel executives and government ministers, and they come together at the Intercontinental Hotel. Apparently, it used to be the Oil and Money Conference, which, credit where it's due, does what it says on the tin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the um, the climate activists are calling it the Oily Money Conference. Yeah, fair enough. And what she been saying, she has made a kind of various speeches, hasn't she? Yeah, of course. I mean, Greta, uh, true to form, has been very forthright. She's calling the politicians spineless and the fossil fuel companies destructive um, and saying they have privileged access. The elites of oil and money are just coming together to sort of fuel each other's destructive search for profits, even though people all over the world are suffering and dying from the consequences of the climate crisis. Seems I mean, fair enough. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, it's <laughs> so, really hard to define that any other way. Yeah. And, you know, I say I say that as a relatively oil-dependent person who thinks, well, things need to change, not sure how. But that is a pretty accurate description of what those meetings are about. Yeah, yeah. more accurate than the Oscars um, of, of, oil. of oil. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the thing that's slightly ironic is the protesters, um, well, Greenpeace, decided they wanted to kind of unfurl a banner from the top of the Intercontinental, and this involved various kind of abseilers coming down. But it was so windy... Note yeah. climate change yeah. <laughs> that they couldn't actually hook it up to the bottom and they had to kind of roll it back up again. Which There's is too much weather, says Greenpeace. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway, six people were arrested, including Greta. Uh, Marcus, the pictures of Greta are quite interesting. They, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, firstly, I think Greta must be pleased at this stage to be arrested. Mm. I, I hope it wasn't uh, too uncomfortable or traumatic for her. But I think that protests like this are happening often and largely ignored. And now she's been arrested and it is a front page story. So most of the pictures are of Greta being taken away, looking fairly defiant, just on the edge of sort of, mm -hmm, here we go. Calm as well. I I think she looks pretty serene, almost like a kind of um, a, a beautiful painting amongst all these policemen. But then there are three or four other pictures of Greta doing, and I can't describe the face, so I'll just make the noise. And I think people will understand. She's doing this face. (laughs) (laughs) She's definitely... I I think what it is is she was arrested and probably the arrest took a while and the initial let's do a defiant face for the cameras uh, had to eventually give way to... (laughs) She looks particularly British, I think, with that that particular kind of... Yeah, Yeah, she looks like she's biting back. There are she could say to the police, but she's not going to. She's she's a polite yeah. young woman, but she just makes getting arrested look really, really cool. But yeah, I just um, I can't think of a single thing that held my attention for five years when I was twenty, um, and she just keeps kind of coming back again and again and just doing it better than everyone else. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously the climate emergency hasn't gone away, but the papers aren't looking at it at the moment because quite understandably, they're really busy covering Israel and Gaza. Do you have a feeling that the papers are kind of failing us? I mean, there's an urgency to the situation in Israel and Gaza. It 
can't be ignored. Um, equally, though, the, there's an argument for the climate emergency being the biggest issue in the world. I think what's difficult is that the story remains the same and also the reaction to the story remains the same. Greta just keeps getting arrested. Like She's consistently a badass, but it's also kind of the same thing at the same time. It's just mm -hmm. the same photo of Greta um, or of Justopol or whoever. So it's, it's quite difficult to cover it in a new and interesting way every time. And I think that's probably the challenge. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the long the long story is a massive story, but barely a story. It's really difficult for them to go. Things still dreadful yeah. every yeah. day. Um, I mean, there are occasionally sort of stories about the psychology of change and why change is so difficult for people. But the, the biggest thing they do, and it's in there today in the mail, is they pick a single weather event and say, here comes this. And sort of about four-fifths of the way through the editorial on it, it will say, and many prominent climate scientists say this is particularly extreme because of climate change. Yeah, um, I mean, that's what The Sun has done. The Sun has a headline about Storm Babette, yeah. which is time to Babetten down the hatches. Which is so, so... I love a <laughs> I mean, pun, but, yeah, that but that's bad, tenuous. Actually. It didn't make our headline section. No, that's no, all I'm it saying. No, it was too thin. And, I mean, when they do point to a single weather event... It's both helpful and unhelpful because it is news and therefore it's coverage of the climate crisis. But single weather events are never indicative enough of what's happening. And it allows people uh, like Anne Widdicombe to have a column that day going, well, there were storms when I was four. <laughs> I've opened the window and it's normal. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how she speaks. And I think I speak for all of us when I say all of the lovely, balmy T-shirt and shorts weather we've been enjoying this October is perfectly normal. Now, in The Telegraph, there's an interesting money story about a chap called David Solomon, who's been the CEO of Goldman Sachs since 2018. The investment bank has been having a torrid time of late, suffering a drop of profits over the last eight quarters. Dear, oh dear. But that's not the only thing about David Solomon's career that The Telegraph has picked up on, is it, Marcus? It's not. I mean, I must say, as both a contributor and a fan of this podcast, it is nice to see you finally addressing the big financial stories, uh, <laughs> the, the business news. Yeah, the CEO of um, of Goldman Sachs is a um, is a DJ, mm. and um, and he's not just a DJ; he's a producer, no less. He's he's produced his own tracks, and he does sort of um well he does djing yeah he's and done quite well he he's done what's, quite it, well. what's his dj name uh dj diesel diesel yeah which yeah, makes yeah. him sound i think like a uh, euro techno dj please welcome dj diesel yeah exactly. here it is um so I mean, basically, there's been quite a lot of pressure on him as Goldman have done less and less well to give up his DJing. But I'd like to think as the parlous state of dance music continues to decline, there's also been pressure on him to quit Goldman and go and go full time. <laughs> Your full time DJ. Drop, yeah, yeah. Just absolutely dropping bangers in, in the clubs. Um, he's had lots of high profile gigs. I mean, he's quite successful, which I'm surprised. He's 61 and he's quite successful. He played at Tomorrowland in 2019. And um, how did The Telegraph describe that, Holly? Um, so The Telegraph, shockingly, took quite a stern line on this, described it as Belgian music festival known for drug taking. Um, so <laughs> a little tap on the wrist there yeah. uh, for his involvement. Obviously, DJ Soul takes a more lighthearted view. Um, 
affectionately refers to it as Lola on his Instagram. That's a Lollapalooza. That was his last ever gig. Yeah. <laughs> a Lola. And he also played a set for the Chainsmokers in July 2020, which is really dodgy. Can I just point that date out again? Yeah. July 2020, he played a gig. Yeah, so he uh, he played a set for a party in the Hamptons, um, which was a benefit concert. It was mm. supposed to be a driving concert, but um, looking at photographs, not many people <laughs> sitting in their cars. Apparently, the, the music was just it, it just took over everyone's spirits, and you know, yeah. I mean, this was like it basically turned into a complete rave when you weren't meant to have what they called non-essential parties. Yeah. Um, I just want to read one headline out, which is from Rolling Stone. They once wrote an article about him with this title: "There's nothing sub." prime about these EDM bangers from the CEO of Goldman Sachs. That is so rubbish. Nice. I know. Anyway, so look, he's got an amazing YouTube channel. We urge you to check it out. There's singles and also clips of him DJing. But then there's also pieces on CNBC about how Goldman Sachs hasn't been going very well. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the sidebar. Anyway, his yeah. most recent single was 10 months ago uh, and it was called Nothing I Won't Do and it featured TNW. I've listened. We can describe it as rubbish pop trance. But anyway, yeah. there's lovely comments underneath there's it, isn't some there? Tremendous, on YouTube. <laughs> tremendous comments. Yeah, these are fantastic. Uh, the first one says, After Avicii, you are the best thing that has happened to me. Please keep releasing more of your musics. Oh, <laughs> it's impossible. So sweet. It's impossible not to hit the Adam Buxton voice of that. Please <laughs> do more of your musics. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's. Um, there needs to be one million views already. Everyone share this with your friends. Five exclamation marks. That's so brilliant. Uh, this is good too. Hey, David, you really inspire me by breaking the mould of TradFi CEO to make <laughs> uplifting music. Glad to have you here on planet Earth. There's a really brilliant one where somebody tries to look for a job. Yeah, looking for an entry-level job at Goldman in Germany, winky face. Good music, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that should do it. In you come. Now, as we all know, Papercuts loves a great headline. The other day, The Sun gave us the exceptionally pleasing Brian's Lama drama over Dalai Ding Dong. Try saying that without your dentures in. And we're looking for some more headline fun and frolics. Holly, what do you have? So The Sun has some pretty stunning research that indicates that snoozing the alarm and sleeping more could make you more awake in the daytime. So... That's where I've been going wrong. Uh, the headline is, Have I Got Snooze For You? Extra 30 minutes improves alertness. Surprising one. That, that is, it's really surprising. If you sleep more, <laughs> you feel a bit better. Yeah, no, I, um, my 4am wake-up call is, um, <laughs> has got something to answer for. Um, so, yeah, ignoring the alarm is healthy. Um, also in the sun, a British puss... Uh, and by that, we're, we're talking cats, guys. Um, has, has set, <laughs> Tabloid speak. <laughs> to be absolutely clear. Um, has set a world record for the loudest purr by a living domestic cat. Um, and one of the Guinness World Record judges said the results were immediately obvious. Wow. Um, so this is the calibre of purr uh, we're talking about. The headline is loudest purr feat for Bus Decibella. Decibella. Oh, she's called Bella. Um... Yes, it's called Bella. Oh, right. that's good. So they've got yeah. two in. Yeah. I think DJ D Sol is going to sample the purr and use it as a baseline. <laughs> and what do you have, Marcus? Uh, in the mirror, there's a story pupils clash with teachers on selectively applied beard ban. And the headline is Class Wharf Hair. 
Clark, <laughs> wolf hair. Wolf hair. Wolf hair. Wolf hair. Um, yeah, school's ban on beards has infuriated pupils. Uh, and With then beards. there's an absolute cracker, as per usual, in the star. Coming back to the Chinese crabs plaguing our waterways, they've got a picture of an absolutely enormous crab making its way up through the ocean towards a female swimmer on the surface, and it simply says... Claws in the same <laughs> font as Jaws, but better than that. Across the top of the page, it says, you're going to need a bigger bucket. <laughs> I mean, just quality work. Uh, and not to be missed, on their front page, because they've obviously splashed with this story, they've got a little thought for the day bubble that says, no one wants crabs, do they? <laughs> <laughs> they've worked that story hard. Yeah, they really have. They've got every, every ounce of crab meat out of it. <laughs> Now, in the middle of the papers is the soft underbelly of the press, the nice cuddly bit beneath the paper's tough exterior. Here you can find all sorts of gentle lifestyle advice, such as which colour jumper to wear, and which house to dream about but obviously never buy, and here's some top tips to keep your relationship tip-top. And there's been an exceptional problem sent into Pamela Stevenson's regular sex column in The Guardian. The Guardian readers' sex lives have brought me great pleasure over the years. I love this column. Marcus, what is the problem this week? Uh, well, this is a, a, a stunning problem. Sorry. Um, simply put, <clears throat> my husband can't kiss me without breathing into my mouth. It has put me <laughs> off sex. <laughs> Now, it's so technical. <laughs> I I read this uh, story last night just before I went to sleep and my, my wife got into bed and said, why are you giggling? And I said, there's an amazing story here about a bloke who can't kiss his partner without breathing into her mouth. And she went, what do you mean? And I leant across and went like this. <laughs> and her cheeks literally went like this and inflated. Uh, it would put you off sex because yeah. it's very funny. <laughs> it's very, very funny. You can recommend it. I mean, a... like, listen, let's say I hope that this couple are okay, mm. but I also hope that <laughs> when they got married, whoever officiated the ceremony said, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may inflate the bride. <laughs> <laughs> It's really brilliant, this column, I have to say. I mean, if anybody really wants a bit of cheering up, you can find them all online. I mean, they've got like re pages and pages of the stuff. We've got, I mean, we've got some of them. Yeah. We've, collect we've collated some, haven't we? Uh, why do I always cry after orgasming with my partner? Answer, he's doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ça, c'est le petit mot. Uh, it's a very moving experience. Oh, this is this is an amazing uh, pair of uh, of um, worries. I recently got sober and have stopped enjoying sex with my husband. Followed by my wife only wants sex after drinking. Now I'm pretty sure if those arrived a week apart. Um, oh, there's some great ones. This one I love. Sex with my boyfriend is consistently mediocre. <laughs> I love that it doesn't even really sound like a question. It's just a statement. I just, yeah. I just need the world to know. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't see how that can be. I don't, just well, leave, you know, it's consistent. Don't leave each other because the sex is bad. But if you're in a good relationship, you will find your way to have good sex unless there's some other problem. <laughs> I don't also, a hard one to give advice on unless you're literally in the room taking notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're only getting one side of the story otherwise. And it would be dreadful, wouldn't it, if you were taking notes and then just had to lean forward and go, 
She has got a point, mate. (laughs) (laughs) You really are mediocre. Yeah. This one's good. Um, I gave my partner three vibrators. Now she's addicted to them and I feel rejected. (laughs) (laughs) Or this one. My wife and I have sex almost every day, but I can't stop thinking about her mother. Hell's bells. Uh, no, it's just great. They I are mean, so that's a, good. That's a big thing to write into a newspaper, isn't it? I know, and they only get like two paragraphs of answer. They don't get much. Yeah. <laughs> like this, it's quite a small column. And this one also. I have never had satisfying sex with my husband. Should I just give up? Yes. I mean, yes. Move out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just move out. I mean, it is. It is a great. I mean, you know, I recommend that column. Yeah. And I recommend the answers as well, actually, because Pamela Stevenson is incredibly brusque, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Uh, her answers seem to kind of vary from like just go to a doctor <laughs> or like break up with them. Um, yeah, your your husband clearly has a serious breathing problem. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't about you. But also, what we've realised is perhaps Guardian readers will never have fabulous sex. Not because they're doing it all wrong, although clearly they are. <laughs> the common denominator is <laughs> reading The Guardian. Yeah, but because they read The Guardian, this is it. Because in the eye, trailed on the front page and then in, in her column, Kate Lister has written an article about how Tories are really great in bed. Yeah, which is encouraging. It's good to know that they're good at something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she makes this very heartfelt, um, a quite nuanced point, actually, about how you know, back in the day, you know, you didn't really sort of think too much about it. If you fancy someone, you had sex with them. Lovely. Everyone's pleased. Um, nowadays, however, she's noticing that on their sort of dating profiles, people are saying things like, you know, I love piano coladas and getting caught in the rain. No Tories, all caps. Mm. Um <laughs> And um, and no Tories seems to be a theme yeah. like, across all the apps. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's very much like a point of pride for people. Um, however, she, full disclosure, says the best sex that she's ever had was with a Tory. The secret, apparently, is uh, she had a very heated argument with him about the Irish border. Um <laughs> One thing led to another. Inevitably, um, they ended up banging. And it was apparently amazing. They were just so angry with each other, mm. she says. Just to be clear, the Irish border reference there is the real Irish border rather than a euphemistic reference to, you know, you never go south of the Irish border. <laughs> no, it's genuine political right. Apparently always go south of the Irish border. <laughs> that, that's actually the secret. Yeah. Um, of course, that's got a lot more difficult since Brexit. Yeah, well, exactly. I think that's what they were arguing about. <laughs> There's far more paperwork involved. Yeah. I think, yeah, she's got an incredible line. There was no way I was letting someone who thought so little of European fishing policy be on top. <laughs> um, so. It's a great, I have to say, it's a great article. There's a really, um, uh, I mean, she makes quite a lot of points about what, what, what do you do about if, if you keep saying no Tories? But there's an, a really amazing last line, I have to say, um, where she's just saying, open your mind, shag a Tory. She, she does. She says, if you're really lucky, you might even wind up being pounded in a travel lodge while shouting about the merits of a free market. <laughs> and I can't think of a better way to spend a weekend, honestly. So. It's a sad day for paper cuts, as The Guardian reports that the Captain Tom Foundation is set to be closed down after a series of financial scandals. Actually, there's a headline in the Metro about this, and it is Captain Tom's charity to close down while daughter fights to keep her spa. <laughs> Which, if you didn't know anything about the story, would just you just think, what is this? The mind boggles. Um, what is the new info, Holly? Yeah, it's, it's sort of it sounds like the kind of Rachel Green beef trifle of headlines. Like you think. 
think the, pa- the pages must just be stuck together because it just doesn't make any sense. But basically, what has happened, um, and you know, the, the heart really does bleed. Um, so Hannah Ingram Moore applied for permission to build, I think what we can all agree is like what sounds like a very valuable facility for um, local people, which is a huge, huge swimming pool in an outhouse. Yeah, um, and she, she applied for the, this permission retrospectively because it was going to be smaller and then yes. they just made it larger. Well, you know, she's she's a very generous woman, and um, <laughs> it obviously occurred to her that there was uh, there was a higher calling uh, for the swimming pool, and that was that hand quite literally handfuls of local elders might have the opportunity <laughs> to go swimming occasionally. Um, if she were just to make the building, you know. 50 or, you know, 500% larger. So that's what she did. They had permission for this L-shaped building. They made this giant C-shaped building. And, um, yeah, local planners were like, absolutely not. Yeah, and and it's now gone to, well, not court, but it's gone to a hearing. And the thing I find quite impressive about the Ingram Moors, I find a lot impressive about the Ingram Moors, um, is that they've got three lawyers arguing their case. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's like, like, you know, they've gone, they've really gone for it in the way that they do. Yeah, Um, well, you would if you definitely, definitely haven't done anything wrong. Yeah, well, they never admit to doing anything wrong, do they? And they're offering, so their 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 case are, is that they're offering their facilities, their chunky spa, as it has been described, to others. The way that their solicitors have phrased that does make it look slightly like they thought of it afterwards, just slightly, where... <laughs> the lawyers arguing their case. One said, the spa pool has the opportunity to offer rehabilitation <laughs> sessions for elderly people in the area. To be fair, all bodies of water have the opportunity <laughs> to do that. Even some puddles have the opportunity to do that. This you just is, push an elderly person in a puddle, there you yeah, go. They want to offer one-to-one sessions only on a once or twice a week basis. They also said they do once a month coffee morning. The frequency of these visits gets longer and longer. Uh, a, an annual meet-up where they, <laughs> where they could sit around the pool and every 40 decades they'd be allowed in the jacuzzi. <laughs> But it's also for locals, and I don't think the locals want a coffee morning in the Captain Tom's bar. Well, the locals don't seem mad keen Mm. on the family anyway, given that it's the locals who've said, hang on a minute, now they've built a spa. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It does seem like the Ingram Moors may disappear from public sites soon, I have to say. They've shut down the foundation. Um, Maybe the spa will be knocked down and there will be no more Ingram Moors in the news. And I have to say, I will feel very sad. The Star has an incredible story about breakfast lunatics. And if you want to know more, you need to join us in our supporters club. And that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thanks to Holly. Thank you. And thanks to Marcus. Ah, Thanks for having me. Remember, we'd love your support so we can continue to bring paper cuts to you every single weekday. There's no media money bags behind us. We are 100% independent. So all your contributions are hugely welcome. £3 a month means you get every episode without adverts. If you support us with a little bit more, you can enjoy an exclusive story or two at the end of each episode, plus the unique opportunity to purchase the highly exclusive Paper Cuts t-shirts and mugs to enhance your life no end. Follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com to find out more. Our incredibly good-looking supporters get a shout-out on the show, and here are three now. Holly... Hello and thank you to the exceptionally attractive Leda Georgiades. Marcus. Uh, thank you and my, you're looking good today, Margaret Reitz. <laughs> and hiya and thank you and you really scrubbed up lovely, Ruth Kroll. 
I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the sun reveals that Thor's hammer has been found in a field in Norfolk. Mm. At least they think that's what they found, but they're not Thor. (laughs) See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts is written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with Holly Thomas and Marcus Bridgestock. Audio production from Simon Williams. The show is produced by Liam Tate with assistant production from me, Adam Wright. Designed by James Parrott, music by Simon Williams and socials by Jess Harpin. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh, the managing editor is Jacob Jarvis and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. <laughs>